Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. So here we are at episode 50. I'm recording this on Friday the 2nd of April, and it seems a long time since starting this a couple of years ago after too many months of procrastination. In the last season, we featured another nine amazing, talented people helping to make the circular economy happen. Our guests have been from the USA, Chile, Ghana, Spain and the UK. We've heard valuable insights shared by people working in startups, in well-established companies and working to support those with new ideas or to make existing businesses more circular. And yet again, I'm struggling to fit in all the brilliant tips and lessons learned into this roundup episode. Don't forget, you can share your suggestions for what you'd like to hear more about or topics and sectors you'd like us to cover. Just email us at podcast at rethinkglobal.info. A recurring theme was the advice to use different ways of thinking. You can link up with people from outside your organisation You can use different design perspectives like biomimicry, lean innovation or systems thinking and you can develop your own process to help you think about the complete cycle, as we'll hear later. In several episodes we heard about the importance of identifying a clear need for what you're developing and making sure that fits with the underlying purpose of your organisation. Purpose is your why. Why are you doing this? What's getting you out of bed every morning? What difference do you want to make in the world? You might have heard of the Japanese philosophy called Ikigai, generally used to help people find meaning in their lives. A while ago, I wrote a blog translating that into a business perspective. I'll put the link in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. In episode 47, we heard from Joanna Bingham, who set up Footprints Africa in Ghana to help small businesses and entrepreneurs to use the circular economy to help develop sustainable, scalable and inclusive approaches. Footprints focuses on supporting local economies and Joanna told us about the motivations of young people to make a positive difference. So with regards to those who... Um who are learning about circular economy, there is a lot of excitement. Um, there's, um, there's definitely a, a desire, especially among young people, to have meaning in their roles and, and to make a difference in the, in the community around them. Um, so there's, there's a lot of youth-led activism um, and, and an idea of kind of entrepreneurship as, as a route out of, any, of, of problems, um, be those environmental or, or monetary. In episode 49, Ryan Edwards of Naked Innovations told us about the importance of focusing on what the customer, the end user, really wants. With EIT Food, the European Institution of Innovation Technology for Food, um, 
they've done their research and we've done our research. So Naked Innovations, we've worked with over 200 startups in the last couple of years. And it's become clear that reasons why some startups fail is they're too focused on the technology. So we try to re-envision that and we use use something called design thinking or human-centered design approach. Um, so let's stop focusing on the technology solutions. Let's understand what the demand, what the consumer, what the end user wants. And on that journey, we realized, yeah, bringing in fresh perspectives of, of different stakeholders and understanding their needs was, um, was key uh, by and making sure that we attached that work to the user. What does our customers actually want from us? What are their customers or their consumers demanding and bringing light into that, um, into that story? Some of our guests have tackled problems that might seem insurmountable. I'd heard about the Chilean startup Algramo a few years ago, and so I was over the moon when Brian Bauer, who leads on circular economy and alliances at Algramo, agreed to be on the show. Let's hear Brian explaining the why for Algramo. So Algramo is a seven-year overnight success story. So if we rewind seven years ago, Jose Manuel Muller founded Algramo, and it the reason he found it is because he was he came into a situation that created a complex problem for him and his his roommates and his community around him, and he wanted to do something about that problem. So a little context on that is he he was living with his family and he was around twenty years old at the time and he wanted to move out and move in with some friends as since he was a university student, he was studying economics and business. And they moved out and moved out into, um, they were forced because they didn't have a lot of financial liquidity. They had to move into a low income area and things changed a lot for him when he did that. And one of the big changes was he was in charge of buying food and the way that people typically buy food in Latin America and much of the developing world for that matter is if they're in the bottom of the pyramid is they buy from small family owned neighborhood stores and they buy in really small formats. So if you live in um, a developed area and you have financial resources, you typically buy in larger formats. So we're, so we're talking about say a one liter, two liter, three liter size. But in these marginalized low income areas, people are forced to buy in very small quantities. And that leads to paying about 30 to 40% more on a per unit basis for that product. And Jose Manuel put a, a name on that and he called it the poverty tax. So while Grandma came into existence to solve that poverty tax, and there's, some, there's kind of a nexus between the poverty tax and plastic pollution. And that is, there's two key drivers there. One is if you live in an underdeveloped area, there's typically less waste management facilities to capture waste. And then the other thing is when you, the smaller the format the packaging is, the more likely it is to escape into the environment or places it shouldn't be. So Algramo came into existence to address those two interconnected issues. We heard about a different but also a seemingly insurmountable problem to solve when we spoke to Gary Giles, founder of Ogle in the UK. Gary and his former boss were trying to make reusable sandbags for flood defences. However, they quickly realised that whilst the reusable idea was great, they still had to figure out how to join the sandbags together. In trying to build a watertight wall, they'd arrived at the age-old construction problem. How do you build a wall without using something to glue or hold the identical parts together. They solved the problem by going back to how they learnt to build as children, using Lego bricks. Whilst you can effectively join Lego from above and below, you can't join two blocks side by side. 
they realised that instead of blocks, they could make L-shapes, which could be stacked facing up or facing down. Those L-shapes would make a modular building block that could then lock together and provide robust structures of any shape and size, and requiring no fixings or cement. Gary also highlighted the need to be clear on who your customer is. You might have just solved an age-old problem, but who needs that solution? Is there a customer base, a market for your product or service? And is that market wide enough for you to find customers? You might need to think differently when working out how to find your market and your customers. Traditionally, you might use demographics to classify customers by age, whether they're married or single, where they live and so on. Now though, you can get more sophisticated using psychographics and even ethnography to understand your customers' values, their why. In episode 44, we talked to Tamsin Chislett, co-founder of fashion subscription company OnLoan. Tamsin explained how OnLoan's customers are value-driven and love fashion, but want to work with businesses that care and that are not that are honest about where they are now versus where they want to get to. Tamsin also reminded us that studies show we're happier when presented with fewer choices, not more. We want an interesting variety so we can make choices, but we don't want to have to scroll through endless pages of stuff. You should also consider what else your customer might need from you. In episode 48, Paraskevi Fotoglu, sustainability engineer at Chimera Fabrics, reminded us that customers often have needs that go beyond the technical features of the product itself. For Chimera Fabrics, that means transparency. Customers want to know what's in the textile, where and how it's made, what certifications it has, and so on. And those customer needs could originate from different ends of a spectrum. Joanna Bingham explains what we might describe as two forms of circular economy. Circular by default, where resources are expensive or scarce, and so people are more inclined to keep them in circulation and avoid wasting those critical products or resources. Professor Walter Stahl calls this the circular society. And the other form would be circular by design, where we recognise the multiple problems caused by extraction and waste, and so we aim to resolve that by designing circular approaches to keep things in the system. I think that there's there's two types. There's two types of people in the world. Um, there's there's two types of kind of um, people engaging with circular economy. So there are, and and I, I forget someone. Some I'm using someone else's terminology. So apologies for not um, referencing them. But um, there are those who are, who are who are operating in a circular way through necessity. So they have scarce resources. They, yeah. um, you know, you can get anything repaired in Ghana. I feel like if something's broken, I, I just have to find someone in the in who knows someone who will put me to someone who will be able to repair it. Um, so those practices are, are just much more commonly adopted, and you know, traditional practices of using banana leaf to to wrap your food in, for example, when you get takeout rather than plastic. Um, a lot of those things exist, but then there's there's kind of circular economy by by innovation um by well i mean they're both innovation but um and and it's more known as a concept and thinking about okay how do i embed circular economy principles and there's a knowledge of circular economy um, and both both exist when you move on to design the solution again the advice is to think differently 
try to look at the problem through different lenses. Does it still make sense? One way to do that is to use Dr. Edward de Bono's Six Thinking Hats. I put a link in the episode show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. Are there other ways to design this or to solve the problem? Have you made positive differences for both people and planet? One approach that uses a different lens is biomimicry. In episode 43, I spoke to my good friend Richard James McCowan, founder of the Biomimicry Innovation Lab based in York in the UK. Richard started off by explaining what biomimicry is. So biomimicry is really about understanding how nature solves problems and then translating this into our technical challenges we're trying to overcome. It could be a management structure all the way down to materials, science, engineering, computers and things like that. And the way I approach it um, is very much looking at the systems perspective, first off. So let's look at biological system, living systems, ecological systems or ecosystems, and then working down to the processes, the processes looking at you know, thermal regulation, self-organization. And then finally, you're looking down at individual functions, but then looking at how they're actually interlinked. So if you start off that way by looking at really at the trade-offs and relationships between everything, and then that steps all the way back up to systems again. In a circular economy handbook, I unpack a few of these different ways of thinking in the chapter on enablers and accelerators, including a section on biomimicry from Richard and another section on eco-design from Katie Beverley of PDR in Wales. Back in episode 5, I talked to Katie about eco-design, and Katie explained how this differs from circular economy approaches. Katie also told us about human-centred design. Ryan Edwards of Naked Innovations, who we heard from earlier, thinks combining human-centred design and circular design is the way forward. About three and a half years ago, we created Naked Innovations. The leadership team from Alfred Experts decided to to refocus on this healthy planet, healthy people aspect. Um, And and we sort of uh, took design thinking, which is human-centred design, as I said, and take circular design, also known as kind of planet design, which is more recent, and actually put them together and say, you know what, we want to focus on projects that are um, understanding the needs of both planet and people. Um, Because often if you're designing for people, you'll end up designing something in the food industry that is cheap, uh, that tastes good, and is really convenient. And often those three things are not uh in alignment with what the planet's needs are and the resources are um if you design something just focused on the planet we found that often the sustainability departments of companies will are very idealistic um and the product they make often is not a hit on the supermarket shelves and and they don't get the market share that you'd like them to have so we really realized that there was a a gap there and that's where we we've really focused and what we do is we try to always start with the challenge so often our clients come to us and say hey we've got this really cool solution this new technology that we want to take to market can you help us we always push them to say let's take a step back why are you building this technology why do you think there's a, a solution needed what's really the challenge you're trying to solve um and then we'll explore the options when we understand what that challenge is, and then we bring together the right diverse stakeholders to try and solve it. Uh, so it's much more likely to be successful and adopted uh, in the market. Often, 
when we've interviewed people with design expertise, they've talked about the need to design for emotional durability as well as physical durability. Adam Fairweather, back in episode 6, and Sophie Thomas in episode 16, both explained how they approached that. In episode 41, Sandra Goldmark, author of Fixation, How to Have Stuff Without Breaking the Planet, shared some of the on-the-ground research she's been doing. One of Sandra's questions was why we want to repair things that have become important to us, even though they may have little monetary value. Sandra loved food writer Michael Pollan's Rules for Food. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And she riffed on those to come up with her own guidelines for stuff. Have good stuff, not too much, mostly reclaimed, care for it, pass it on. One way of ensuring things are more useful and so more likely to meet someone's needs is to design things to have multiple purposes. Patagonia, the outdoor gear brand, aims to do this with its designs, so you don't have to buy several different waterproof jackets, but you could use the same one for skiing, your commute to work, cycling, and so on. Gary Giles explained how the ogle blocks enabled a wide range of uses for the buildings. The re recycled styrene has inherent insulation properties. The ogle standard block can be used for walls, roof, for window and door fitment, and so on. And the finished buildings can be used for a wide variety of needs. Everything from humanitarian shelters to working from home garden cabins. Another aspect of circular economy design where you need to think differently is to consider the big system scale picture. And especially what happens to your product at the end of use. What's the next life for the product, components and materials? Gary Giles told us about his approach, what he calls a full stop product. Look at, treat it as initially how you would do it with any product. You've got to stop, is there a need? So is, it, so, so is there a need? Uh, is there a customer base? Is it's customer base wide enough? And then the final question should always be is, okay, I know there's, I know there's, a, there's, a, there's a need, I know there's a market, now... Sort of, sort of before I even sort of put pen to paper or try and design this product, how can I then recycle what I'm about, what I'm thinking about making? So it becomes sort of the last step, but it all part of the same process, you know. Sort of, sort of get it right in the, in the, in the design stage. Because if you get it right in the design stage and you think about all the possibilities and all the things that can go wrong. And, and how you're going to recycle it and reuse it and give it greater lifespan, then then you design out hopefully um, the waste problem or, or certainly minimise the waste problem. And the final thing I would sort of say is, is is do what we try to do and design what we call a full stock product, i.e. a product that never needs to be recycled because it's it's lifespan. You build in the reuse. You build in reusability. You build in longevity into the product. I.e., it never has to be recycled. So try and build a full stop product. Fantastic! A new a new phrase for circular economy enthusiasts all over the world. Full stop products. Excellent. Thank you, yeah. Gary. We also heard excellent advice for going operational, particularly the importance of working out suitable funding and managing cash flow.
In episode 45, we heard from my friend and colleague at Rethink Global, Peter Desmond, who's also a co-founder of the African Circular Economy Network. Peter uses his extensive experience in financial and business advisory roles to help organisations of all shapes and sizes with their circular journeys. Peter and I have put together some circular coaching packages, so you can get both of our perspectives on your ideas and challenges. If you want to know more, have a look at our coaching page at rethinkglobal.info. I asked Peter about his top tips for businesses wanting to go circular. Well, unlike most accountants who don't say very much um, when asked questions like that, I do have a number of uh, top tips and they're probably nothing new. But I would say get started. If you want to do something, just get going. It's like writing a dissertation. Just get writing. Um, writing a book, I imagine, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but also to, <laughs> to read a lot about the circular economy. Um, there is a lot out there. Um, quite uh, accessible. It's not all uh, academic. I'd also suggest people learn from the mistakes of others as best they can. Um, people are also being a lot more honest now about um, their... Uh, what it's taken to get to where they are. I, I also find that it's 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 great to um, to work and be encouraged by uh, like-minded people who are going to support you rather than put you off. Um, and particularly in the longer term, I think you need to to be resilient as as in an individual um, and probably also as a business if you are if you're trying to develop new business models for your own company. And here is Joanna Bingham again from Footprints Africa with her top tips. Joanna talks about iteration, and that's an approach advocated by Eric Rees, author of The Lean Startup. Eric advises us to treat your experiments as the first product. A couple of things. One is uh, protect your cash flow, um, because if you can't afford to run your core business, then you, you know, you can't afford to innovate. Um, so I think making sure that your cash flow is protected and then giving space to innovate in a kind of iterative way. So, you know, work out what, what area you want to make a difference in and then try it in a small way, mm. basically. Um, and, um, and then next, find awesome partners that you can work with to do it. So I think some of the challenges in, um, in some African contexts is that you kind of, you have to do everything. So, you know, you mentioned around supply chains, for example, if you want to use innovative materials or if you want to use um, regenerative materials, they don't exist. So then you find yourself suddenly going and becoming a regenerative material manufacturer just because you wanted to, to build a, a roof. Um, mm. so, um, so I think finding, finding partners who can, who can pick off different pieces of the puzzle and working with them together um, is, um, is powerful. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, for, for, for those, um, it, it's really hard to get funding and get support for that innovative stage. And I think part of the challenge is sometimes those who do get support for that innovative stage end up being reliant on that support and not, and not focusing on the commerciality. So I think it, it's so important that, that, this, that there isn't that donor dependence and there isn't that grant dependence, that there's always an eye to making it um, commercially viable. Um, in whatever way is possible. Before you finalise your designs and plans, challenge yourself to aim high. How can you make it better and make a bigger impact? Can you include different ways of thinking by asking other people? 
Ryan Edwards of Naked Innovations told us about the co-founder matching system now being rolled out at EIT Food through the new TeamUp portal. Ryan then goes on to talk about why diversity of ideas and experience is crucial. Yeah, it's, it, the word that comes to mind, I've used it a few times, is, is diversity. But really what I'm talking about there is empowerment. So um, I, I believe we need to listen more effectively and actively to different voices and empower those voices to, to speak up and share their concerns and share their ideas. Um, and we do that by making the the people that sit around the table, ensuring they're more diverse and all the different way, all different forms of diversity. Um, but not only for show, but really asking them the pertinent questions and really listening to what how they answer and really then valuing those insights and doing something with it. Um, it's something that I've believed my whole life and I see the power of it when it comes to driving innovation. And if we're going to design a better world, and I think we can design, we've designed the world we live in, so it's through design that is healthy planet, healthy people. We need to do it for the people, by the people. So yeah, we need more diversity and to empower those people to uh, to share their, their insights and, and their concerns. Getting other people or organisations involved can be helpful all along the journey, not just at the startup or design phase. Tamsin Chislett told us how On Loan is choosing to partner with brands that already have a sustainability mindset. And going back to episode 42, Brian Bauer at Algramo talked about their approach to collaboration. Algramo started off offering a white label reusable packaging system and is now working with big brands like Unilever, Nestle, Clorox and Colgate with the aim of making a bigger impact. Brian, what are your lessons learned and top tips for other businesses wanting to either start something circular or go more circular? That's a good question. I think one critical thing is for circularity to thrive. It needs it needs like um, a diverse network of stakeholders supporting a circular ecosystem. So try and think about um, try and think big. Try and think from a systems perspective, and think about how strategic stakeholders can help you be successful. And in general, I find the circular economy movement is quite open to at least a high level pre-competitive collaboration. So try and leverage stakeholders and people invested in making the circular economy happen to support your, your growth. So we've heard from another group of inspiring people with a diverse range of backgrounds and skills, all focused on making a better world by thinking differently. They're building products and services that add value to people while aiming to reduce humanity's footprint on our living planet and ideally to help regenerate resources, nature and society too. Let's finish with a few words from Joanna Bingham of Footprints Africa. And circular economy has a huge potential to create uplift um, you know, out of poverty, but also to create meaning for people because working for an organisation that stands for something um, it is, is so, it has such a different, it has such a transformation in your life. And, working with some of the, the companies that we do and seeing the change in mindsets and, and the kind of engagement of the staff of the companies that we're working with is so amazing. And it often it, it comes from them listening to each other and hearing each other better. That's it for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. 
If you like what you're hearing, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you use circular, sustainable approaches to make a better world for people, planet and your business. Get in touch via the website or connect with me on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one or buy the new edition of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. Make sure you get the edition with the orange cover, which has a new chapter on packaging, lots of extra examples and updated research in every chapter. You can find resources and links mentioned in today's episode, as well as a transcript of the conversation at rethinkglobal.info, where you can find out how we help you succeed with Circular. Circular.